This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Today, we continue through Philippians in chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And good morning, and welcome to worship with West Concord. I hope you and your family are continuing to manage this COVID virus swirl as we begin another week online. Not sure when we're going to be able to gather back together again, but I hope it's soon. Until then, we're going to jump back into our series from the book of Philippians that we've called The Spirit of Joy Set Free. Now, you know, as I was reflecting on this this afternoon, I realized the irony of this situation we're in. Because we've been looking at this book and over the study of it, I've been emphasizing that Paul is in prison. He is in house arrest. Uh, He cannot go anywhere and he's under government order to stay and he's being chained to a Roman guard. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to relate to biblical personalities because we're separated by nearly 2,000 years, but we're all quarantined, aren't we? We're sort of under house arrest right now. We can't come to church. We can't go to the grocery store. We can't go get our nails and hair done or whatever it is we do. Sort of like Paul, we have also been under, in a sense, house arrest because of this virus. And so as we look at this book of Philippians, this book written by a man who is jailed and imprisoned and can't go anywhere, we can relate to that. And so as we open the book this morning, let's keep that in our minds as we talk about the spirit of joy set free. Even in a, even in a time of house arrest and quarantine, joy can be set free. And we're going to continue to look at the book of Philippians. Would you bow with me as a word of prayer as we get started? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for today. Father, yesterday is gone. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow, but we thank you for today. And Lord, it's a difficult day for many, for most of us, because of all the pandemic happenings that are going on. Many many are losing their jobs. Many are struggling with the stay-at-home orders, and it's difficult. But Father, like the Apostle Paul, we don't allow our circumstances to determine our joy. Our joy should be and must be based upon you. So, Father, may we continue to find joy in you. And may you teach us this morning how even further to do it from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, like Paul, we're under quarantine. We're under house arrest. Yet our joy can still be set free and we can still press on. And that's the title of our message this morning is to press on. Because that's what we need to do. We can't let our circumstances bog us down. We can't let our quarantine close us up. We need to continue to press on in our lives as we move forward for the Lord. You know, in talking about the whole idea of joy and life, George Bernard Shaw said this, and it's a rather lengthy quote, but but listen very carefully. He said this. He says, this is true joy in life that being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, the being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap and are thrown on the scrap heap of life and being a force of nature instead of being a feverish and selfish uh, little club clump of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to make you happy. 
You know, that's, that's what we get caught up into. We get caught up in our own worlds. We get caught up into our own miseries, our own difficulties. And we sit around contemplating our navel. And we're concerned that we're not happy. And why isn't the world making us happy? Well, the world it was never meant to make us happy. As I said in my Wednesday night message this week, we're expecting perfect conditions from an imperfect world. And we're expecting perfect answers from imperfect leaders and people. We're expecting perfection from imperfection. And the world, if we're honest, will never make us happy. We need to seek God for joy. And we need to press on with that. That needs to be something that we are daily conscious of, maybe even hourly conscious of as we look at that. You know, not only as individuals, but we as a church, we can't gather together on Sunday morning. And yes, that's frustrating and it's sad. I can't wait to see everybody. But listen, West Concord Baptist Church will still press on. We'll still keep moving forward. Even more so now than ever, because we have a greater opportunity to reach out to those who don't know Jesus Christ. And listen, that is our purpose. Our joy as a church, our joy as a church family, and yes, our joy as believers should be purposed by going out and telling others about Christ. And thankfully, through technology and gifted people who know how to do these things, we're able to do that. And so it reminds me of a sign that was on a door. It was discovered in 1963 at the University Christian Church in New York. It said this, gone out of business. The church was closed. Didn't know what our business was. You know, that's sad. As I travel the country and I go from different places, I often see churches that are closed down, empty buildings boarded up. And more often than not, those church closed down because they forgot what they were open to do to begin with. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we let circumstances and difficulties and, and the whole milieu of life cause us to shut down. And listen, we may be quarantined physically, but our joy can be set free, especially as we focus on sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was doing. Even though Paul was shut down and, and shut up into a house, chained to a Roman soldier, under house arrest, his liberties were taken away. He was still pressing on. And so that's the phrase for this morning is to press on. Take your Bibles, if you will, and join me in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at Paul. And Paul's going to give us a glimpse into his, his heart. And giving, he's going to give us a glimpse into his mindset and his momentum and his movement as he is closed up physically, but his joy was never closed. In the first part of this passage, in verse 12, as we begin to look at it, we're going to see, first of all, Paul's momentum. Paul's momentum. Now, momentum is simply the moving of a mass or a body uh, from one direction to another. It's simply a movement. And you know, we don't feel like we're moving much these days because we are locked in. We are shut in. Uh, and sometimes we feel like we're just not able to accomplish anything. But let's face it, we are involved in momentum. The world is still turning on its axis. The world is still orbiting the sun. Time is going by. Yesterday is gone. Uh, we're in today. We don't know if tomorrow will come or not. Hopefully it will. But nonetheless, we're still in a momentum situation. Life is going on. You may choose not to participate in it. You may choose to think it's passed you by. But the reality is, it's still moving. Things are moving. 
And that momentum is happening. And so Paul, sitting in his, his jail cell or his house of arrest, he began to examine and to take stock of himself and began to examine his life. And he, he began to notice his momentum. And I want you to notice, first of all, he, give, he, he takes a personal evaluation. You know, what should we do with all this time on our hands? Well, maybe one thing we need to do is take personal spiritual inventory of ourselves. We need to stop and look at our lives and ask ourselves, where have I been and where do I want to go from here? You know, we're dealing with a lot of misery. But what we need to do is we need to press on and find the meaning in that misery. This virus is not an accident. This virus is not unknown to God. God in his omnipresence, omniscience, and, and all-powerful nature has allowed this virus to come. He's allowed this virus to come into our world, and he has reasons for it. And we need to press on to find out the meaning behind the misery. And so that's what Paul is doing. And Paul is going to look at his momentum. He's moving, whether he wants to or not, whether he's stuck in this situation of arrest. And he, he gives a personal evaluation. I want you to notice a couple of things. Look at verse 12 of chapter 3. He says, not that I have already attained. What is he talking about? Well, in the previous chapter, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about attaining unto the resurrection unto life. In other words, being caught up into heaven where perfection reigns. And he says, I'm not there yet. And if you're watching this video, you and I aren't there yet either. And Paul was being honest. He says, look, I haven't attained to perfection yet. As a matter of fact, Paul in Romans chapter 7 gives another glimpse into his heart and character when he talks about struggling with sin, doing things he knows he shouldn't do, not doing things he knows he should do. And Paul gives an honest evaluation of himself here. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. I mean, let's be honest, none of us are. You know, maybe this time of quarantine, maybe this time of stay at home would be a good time to look at our lives from an honest perspective. Not looking at our lives and, 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 and saying what we want to be, but what we are. You know, that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to take this time and look at my life Look at where I've been, look at where I am, and then have an honest evaluation of it. And Paul, he said, look, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. He said, I'm still struggling. But notice the next phrase in verse 12, but I press on. I press on. Paul talked about his honesty, his dissatisfaction. He's not happy just sitting and stirring. He's not happy just being in one place. Hey, look, I'm okay. I'm better than some people, not as bad as others. You know, that's what we like to say. And I ask you, are you satisfied with that? Paul wasn't. He was dissatisfied. He said, listen, I haven't attained perfection. I'm not where I should be or want to be. And so I am going to press on. I'm not going to make myself at home there. I'm not going to be satisfied with my own personal mediocrity. I want to be something better. I want to be someone better. And so that was Paul's momentum. He wanted to move along with life. And yeah, sometimes you have to give a personal evaluation. You have to look at yourself and Am I what I should be? Am I where I should be? Am I the person that God really wants me to be? And quite frankly, we won't get there till heaven, but we need to continue to press on toward that. So his personal evaluation involved honesty and dissatisfaction. 
dissatisfaction. But as we continue to look at his momentum, I want you to notice his personal enthusiasm. Go back to that phrase, I press on. That word press from the Greek literally means to expend effort, to chase, to run after. Paul said, I'm pressing on, much like an athlete presses toward a goal, much like a runner presses toward the finish line. And so Paul said, I press on. He was enthusiastic. His circumstances were a mess, just like yours and mine. They're a mess. But Paul didn't let those circumstances hold him back. Paul said, I'm pressing on. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where I've been. I don't like what I've become. And I want to be better. I want to be somebody more closer to Jesus Christ. So I press on. Look at his enthusiasm. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, his personal enthusiasm was about apprehending the gift that God had given him. Salvation is a gift. We understand from Scripture that we cannot earn salvation. It is not something that we earn through religious works, through behaving, through reforming our lives. It is something that we receive as a gift. And listen, it's a wonderful gift. You know, if I don't have anything else in this world, if this coronavirus takes everything away from me, including my earthly life, I still have eternal life. I still have a gift. And Paul, he wanted to apprehend that gift. He wanted to get a hold of it. And by apprehending, he meant he wanted to get the most out of it. You know, we get saved and then we toddle on to our lives and do our thing as though nothing ever happened, as though nothing ever occurred. We meet Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the resurrected Son of God. And rather than transform us, rather than change us, We just say, thank you, sir, for salvation. I'll come see you every once in a while, maybe on Sunday, and we go about and do our lives. But Paul, no, no. He said, I have a gift, and I want to get the most out of that gift. I want to apprehend that gift. I want to get a hold of it. You know, when somebody gives me a gift, I appreciate it. I want to use it, and I want to get the most out of it. And that's what we should do with our salvation. He wasn't content just to sit and soak in his circumstances. He wasn't content to sit chained to a Roman soldier and shake his head and say, woe is me, my life is a mess. No, he said, I'm going to press on. I have enthusiasm. I want to know Christ. I want to get the most out of what he's given me. He's given me a gift of eternal life. But listen, eternal life doesn't start in heaven. It starts the moment you receive Christ. Because God's Spirit comes to dwell in you. And God gives you spiritual gifts according to 1 Corinthians and Romans and and Ephesians. He gives us spiritual abilities, God-given gifts to serve Him. And so He's given us so much that we can use for His glory. And so we need to apprehend the gift. Not only apprehend the gift, but Paul says, I want to, let me read it again. He says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me or for me. Not only did he want to apprehend the gift, but he wanted to appreciate the giver. You know, when I give somebody a gift, uh, I feel appreciated when they like it and use it. You know, uh, people talk about sending thank you cards and I'll be honest with you, I'm bad about that. I'm not a good thank you card sender and I apologize. And people who know me know that I'm also not a very good receiver uh, because I, I have too much pride. Pray for me. You know how that is. But understand, when when I give somebody a gift, 
the, the gratitude I get is seeing them enjoy it, seeing them use it, seeing them get the most out of it, no matter what it is. And when somebody gives you a gift, that's what they want to see. They want to see you smile. They want to see you enjoy it and get the most out of it. And you know, when we, when we get a hold of the gift that God has given us, when we begin to appreciate it, enjoy it, and get the most out of it, my goodness, that's a wonderful way to appreciate and praise the giver. And so Paul, you know, he wasn't sitting here saying, God, why have you put me in this situation? God, why am I chained to this Roman soldier? Why can't I leave this place? Well, he wasn't sitting there whining. And I know that's easy to do. But he was saying, no, 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 I, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm going to press on, even though physically I can't go anywhere, but spiritually I can go up, I can go high. And so he said, I'm going to press on because I want to apprehend that gift. I want to make the most of it. And by doing so, I want to appreciate Jesus Christ, the giver of that gift. For, if, for no other reason, because of the price Christ paid for it. You know, oftentimes gifts, you know, sometimes can be inexpensive but meaningful. But the gift of life, the gift of salvation was a price that you and I could never even afford. It was the broken body and shed blood of the Son of God. And so when we appropriate that gift and apprehend it, and we use it and enjoy it and make the most of it, my goodness, that makes God smile. And that gives worth to that gift, more so than you and I can realize. So that was Paul's momentum. Instead of just sitting and stewing, sitting and stirring, self-soaked, self-absorbed, whining and complaining, why is the world not making me happy? I'm imprisoned, I'm stuck, Wah, woe is me. He wasn't doing that. He was deciding right then and there, I am going to press on. That was his momentum. He was going to move with life. Life was passing him by and he wasn't going to let that happen. And so let's talk about his movement. Let's continue as we look into verse 13. We're going to look at Paul's movement. Momentum is one thing. It's just a mass going in a direction. If you do nothing but sit on your couch, you're experiencing momentum because the world is moving. The galaxy is moving. Things are spinning. Things are going. Time is moving. But movement now is your choice and my choice. And I want you to know in verse 13, Paul's movement, he moves forward. He moves forward. Look at verse 13. And again, he self-deprecates. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, once more, he said, I haven't made it yet. I'm not where I am. I'm not what I should be. I'm still going. I'm still growing. I'm a work in progress. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But he said, but one thing I do. If you've got your Bible there, you mark that passage. One thing I do. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I want you to know, first of all, Paul moves forward in his life. You know, very often we get caught up in the failures and mistakes of the past. We hold grudges from the past. We carry baggage from the past. Look where I failed. Look where I messed up. Or I, I can't do anything because I failed two years ago. Or I messed this up a year ago. Listen, Paul said, I'm moving forward. Yes, I've been arrested for the sake of the gospel. Yes, I'm in prison, but I'm not going to dwell on that. That was past. I'm where I am by the grace of God, and I'm moving forward. And that involves forgetting the past. It involves forgetting the past. You know, we get so caught up in our past. We get so guilt-ridden and worried about it and fretting over it. 
Understand this, past is just that, it's past. It's gone, it's never coming back. Past failures and past victories. Some people get caught up in past victories. I remember years ago when I first took West Concord Baptist Church, a gentleman came to me and said, Mike, you're a young man and you still got a lot to learn. He said, why back in the day, this church was so crowded that people were outside at the windows looking in. And he was real proud of that. And he was saying that to kind of put me in my place a little bit. But uh, I, I perceived what he was doing and I looked at him. I said, well, sir, where are they now? They weren't here when I took the church. Those past victories are past. We can't live in those. We have to press forward. We can learn lessons from the past. We can, we can appreciate victories and we can learn from failures, but we have to move forward. And that's what Paul said. He said, listen, I forget the past and I'm forging a path. He says, one thing I do, he was single-minded, and we'll talk about that more in just a second. Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward. That word reaching in the Greek literally means stretching out. Stretching out and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, what kind of things are ahead for a man sitting in prison? Maybe you're sitting in the midst of this coronavirus thinking, when are they going to open the economy? When are they going to get uh, things going? When am I going to be able to go back and do this, go here, see that? You know what? I don't know, and neither do you, and I have a feeling most of our leaders are still unsure of that. But I know God knows, and I know there is a future, if not on this earth, in glory with Him. And Paul said, I'm, I'm going to forge a path. I'm not going to sit and wait for my circumstances to get better. You know, I hear people say that all the time. Oh, Brother Mike, I, I'm going to start tithing when I get a raise, or when my favorite is when I win the lottery. Well, if you're pouring money in the lottery, I wouldn't hope too much about that raise. That's a bad bet. But we say, oh, when this happens, I'm going to do it. When my kids graduate from college, I'm going to go in the ministry. When this, and we talk about when this happens. No, no. You've got to start moving forward now. You've got to start pressing forward now and, and trusting God to help you forge that path. Don't wait for somebody to do it. Don't wait for somebody to forge it for you. You and I have got to go forward ourselves. We can't sit in our complacency, in, in our mediocrity, and just wait for something better to happen. You and I have to make it happen. So he said, I'm reaching, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And so he was moving forward. That was his movement. Not only that, but he was moving faithward. Not just forward, but faithward. He was moving towards his faith, his faith in God, his trust in God. Notice again, this, this phrase is repeated. We saw it in verse 12, and we see it again at the beginning of verse 14. I press toward. I press on. Again, that effort, that, that chasing after that goal. Paul wasn't just sitting there feeling sorry for himself, and neither should we. Yes, the world is a mess. Can I tell you a little secret? Ever since Adam and Eve, the world has always been in a mess. We just got comfortable in it. And now our comfort's been taken away. Oh my, the world is really what it is, and we're just now seeing it. Instead of sitting feeling sorry for ourselves because we can't go get our hair done or because we can't go get a dinner out, we need to start pressing forward and forging a path in this circumstance and not wait for it to get better. Oh, when the COVID virus is lifted, I'm going to do this. When the pandemic is lifted, I'm going to... No, no, do it now. Start now. He said, I press toward the goal 
for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice a couple of things. He moves faithward. First of all, he's pressing toward a higher prize. What is it the prize you're looking for? Some people, for them, the prize is a new house, a bigger house, a new car, a promotion. That person, that relationship, that degree. You know, those are all wonderful things. Those are all part of life. And certainly, we should move toward those things. But those are all earthly pursuits. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got a greater prize. And that prize is leading someone to Jesus, leading people to Jesus. When you get to heaven, having God look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can you imagine? You know, that song that we hear sung, and I hear it mostly at funerals, unfortunately, but I, I can only imagine. You know, it talks about imagining the glories of heaven and the splendors of, of heaven. Listen, that's not our prize. That's our destination. Our prize is the glory of that destination now going to God as we surrender our lives to Him. I'm pressing toward a higher prize than just a house, a car, a promotion, or a raise. That's what Paul was saying. Paul didn't say, when I get out of prison, I'm going to do more. When I get unchained from this Roman soldier, you wait and see. No, 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 Paul wasn't. You know, that never even entered into the equation here. Paul was saying, I press toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he is pressing toward a higher prize and he was pressing toward a heavenly call. He was pressing toward a heavenly call. See, this is amazing about Christianity, in my opinion. Not only does God save us through faith in Jesus Christ, but he also gives us a purpose. He commissions us. At the end of each gospel, Jesus commissioned his disciples. In Mark, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew, it talks about making disciples of people. In other words, drawing them to Jesus Christ. We're to go. That is our high calling. It exceeds any career. It exceeds any promotion. It exceeds any goal or human aspiration. It is a high calling. Can you imagine if today you were called by the president of the United States, whether you like him or not, you were called by the president and he said, look, I'm going to send a car for you, a plane for you, whatever. And I want you to come to Washington and I want you to help me get this country straightened out after this coronavirus. I, 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 whether you like him or not, you would feel pretty proud for lack of a better word, which is an unfortunate word. You would feel great. You would think, man, I'm somebody. Listen, that's nothing. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of the universe. God has commissioned you to go into the world and take the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is your high calling. That is and should be the purpose of your life and mine. To draw people to Jesus Christ, to continue to move toward Jesus Christ. That is what Paul was doing. So Paul, listen... Paul was moving forward. He wasn't sitting there feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't sitting there, well, I'm under house arrest. I can't do anything until that changes. I can't tell you how much I've heard that over the last few weeks. Well, I'm in quarantine, can't go to church, can't go here, can't. Listen, you get closer to God. You, you, God, God hasn't set you free from that. Your joy can be set free through drawing close to Him. Press on, press forward. That was Paul's movement. Momentum was already happening, 
Paul said, look, I, I, I don't like where I've been. I don't like what I am. Paul said that of all people. And he said, I'm dissatisfied with me. So I'm going to press toward apprehending that gift. I'm going to do so and appreciate the giver. Paul said in verse 14 again, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. But how do we do that? You know, it's easy to talk about pressing toward the goal, but how do we do that? Well, we need to think about our minds. You know, joy is the key word in the book of Philippians. It's all over Philippians, joy, rejoicing, gladness. But it's another key word, a second key word is mind. The mind is key. It's not your heart. You know, people talk about the heart, and yes, the Bible uses heart and mind interchangeably, but we don't, so we confuse the two. You know, the heart or the emotions, they're not the place to figure life out. As a matter of fact, I hear the phrase, follow your heart. Listen, that's the worst advice you could ever take. Following your heart is a bad idea because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is desperately wicked. We need to focus on truth. We need to follow truth. And we apprehend that with our mind. And so in this last point, we're going to look at Paul's mindset. How is he able to do that? Well, he says this in verse 15. He says, therefore, let us as, let us, as many as are mature have this mind. In other words, how we think, how we perceive truth. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this unto you. You know, this is something for a mind of spiritual maturity. Spiritual babes aren't going to get this. Spiritual babes are going to sit in their own sorriness, feeling sorry for themselves, just like, a, just like a toddler. You know, those of you who are raising them or have raised them, you know, they sit there, Mommy, why do I have to take a nap? Daddy, why can't I have this snack? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Why is his bigger than... You know, we talk about all of these things when we're children because we're focused on ourselves. We're immature. But as we grow up, hopefully, we realize that there are responsibilities and there are duties. And no, we don't get everything we want. And we begin to grow and mature. And it is the mature spiritual mind that grasps hold of this idea of pressing on. You can't let your circumstances dictate you. So Paul here is talking about a mind of maturity. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, he says, let us therefore, as many as are mature, have this mind. And notice the next phrase. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, we go to God's word and we let God's word dictate our mindset. It is God's word that should dictate our mindset, that should dictate our emotions, and that should cause us to think properly. And when we do, God will reveal what we need to know and we, we, can, and we can continue to mature. So Paul here is talking about a mind of maturity, but he's also talking about a mind of mutual integrity. Look at verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree, even though you know, we're all growing, we're all at different levels of maturity and immaturity, he says, nevertheless, in verse 16, to the degree that we have already attained, wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. In other words, integrity means all the parts coalescing together to form one. You know, one of the things we talked about earlier were churches closing and churches struggling. One of the reasons why is they have splits. This group gets mad at that group. This group gets mad at the pastor. The pastor gets mad at them. And churches fragment. They fall apart. I'll tell you why that happens. 
It's because they're not of the same mind. There's no spiritual maturity there. There's no mutual integrity there. You say, well, it says follow the same rule. Whose rules? God's rules. You go to God's word and you find what he wants you to do. You say, but I don't feel good about that. Big deal. Your feelings are irrelevant. What does the truth tell us? Go to God. And, and listen, I read the scripture and I find stuff that bothers me all the time. I find things that I don't like right away. There are a lot of things God wants me to do and requires me to do that are uncomfortable, are inconvenient, and I just don't like them, but you do them. But you know what? The more I find that I'm obedient to the word, the better I find that I'm able to obey it. And so he said, listen, nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. What does that mean? All of us with our minds focused on God, our minds zeroed in on Jesus Christ. That's what it means. You know, earlier I talked about the fact that we are involved in misery. And we are. It's a miserable time we're living in right now. For our generation, this is our World War II. This is our Depression era. You know, every generation evidently deals with its problems. My father's generation dealt with those two things. Plus, my dad was in Vietnam. Uh, every generation dealt with its issues, and this is ours. It should remind us that this world is not a great place most of the time. It's broken. It's fallen. It's not the way it was intended to be. And so, yes, it's miserable, but we need to press on in spite of it. We need to move forward in spite of it. In other words, if you go through this and you don't learn the lesson that God wants you to learn and you don't come out better transformed, then you've missed it. You've, you've allowed the misery to come and you've missed the meaning that is in it. And yes, there is meaning in this misery. And, and we're all trying to figure it out, but it's there. And if we seek God's face, we'll find it. You know, the whole goal of this, I imagine from God's point of view, is that the, the world will be a better place, especially God's people, his people will be better, will be transformed. You know, I'm learning that things that were important to me might not have been so important. I'm learning how important relationships are. I'm learning how unimportant material things are. I'm learning how important my walk with Jesus Christ is. So here's the thing. Don't miss the, the meaning as you go through the misery. Come out of this transformed. In other words, press on. What are we pressing on to? Well, I love what C.S. Lewis said. He's one of my favorite authors. He said, the glory of God and as our only means of glorifying him, the salvation of human souls, this is the real business of life. Everything else is peripheral. Our jobs, they're given to us by God to provide for us so that we might serve him in this business. Our relationships, our marriages, our families, our friends, they're there to encourage us and lift us up as we move forward in the business of sharing the gospel. God has provided all of these blessings and all of these gifts not to make us happy, comfortable, fat, and sassy, but so that we might have everything we need to move forward and to press on. So here's the final question. And this is something I want you to stop and think about today and every day. What or who moves you? Are you waiting for everything to clear up before you get your life right? 
Are you hoping the coronavirus gets well? So then, then I'll serve the Lord better. Oh, when this coronavirus, I bet you there are people even now promising, God, if you'll get me through this coronavirus, I'll teach in Sunday school. I'll sing in the choir. I'll work in the nursery. Don't you dare pray prayers to God that you're not going to keep. Here's the thing. Decide to do that now. Don't wait for this thing to be over. Decide now. When this is done, yes, I will be there. Until then, I'm going to check on those people. I'm going to do whatever I can to make the ministry of God even more productive, even more purposeful, because that is why I'm supposed to live. And listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are so blessed, it's unbelievable. And if you don't know Jesus, I beg you, come to him on your knees. Confess your sin to him. All of us have sinned. Come to him and confess that sin. Realize that there's nothing you can do to, to, to work that sin off. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. Come to him, confess your sin to him, and place your faith in the crucified, buried, risen Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for by grace, God's unmerited, unearned favor, are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Trust Jesus today. And again, if you know Jesus as your Savior, yes, you're quarantined. Yes, you're homebound. Paul was too. But his joy was still set free. Why? Because he decided that he would press on. So let me encourage you, press on. Press on. Until we see each other again, press on. Continuing to pray for you and your family. We love you and can't wait to see you. Until then, press on. Take care and bye-bye.